Thanks, guys. I will tell you from the beginning that, that Leah and I, why am I putting that on now? I should have put it on before I walked up here. Uh, Leah and I did speak this week about, uh, or actually last week, about the passage for this week. And so you're going to hear some, some commonality. Uh, and I just want to be clear about where that's coming from. Um, if you're, uh, man, this thing has a mind of its own, I swear. I'll leave here for just a minute and y'all mess my stuff up. I'm, I'm winking while I'm saying that. Uh, I missed you guys last week. I appreciate everybody taking care of things. If you didn't know, I, my family and I had to quarantine last week, but we're good. Everybody's healthy. Uh, please continue to pray for my in-laws. Um, they are still very sick with COVID. They're at home, but uh, they need our prayers. Um, you know, in, in thinking about our passage today, and, and uh, Lee and I had a conversation last week um, about this idea of Emmanuel. She shared with you guys this morning that she and David had been just contemplating what that means um, for us as a people, that God is with us. And in thinking about that, and um, thinking about my life in the last couple of weeks and the things that have gone on, you know, it, it kind of dawned on me that holidays can be tricky, right? Um, there's a lot of joy to be experienced when we talk about Thanksgiving, when we talk about Christmas, um, but it's also a time when, unfortunately, we remember those that we've lost, the things that we've lost, the time that we've lost. Um, especially this year of all years, there are many in, in our lives, many in our community that have lost a lot. Um, it could be um, suffering financially, the loss of loved ones, um, dealing with depression or other mental issues, and, and, and a lot of other things that have gone on this year. But it's good for us to remember a couple of things. And I want us to start with this idea this morning that firstly, we're not alone. Even when it feels like it, we are not alone. And then secondly, that God can and will deliver us from all strife, from all difficulty. And I want us to think about this morning, we're about to read a passage of scripture, and I want us to understand that we are not the first group of people to feel forgotten, right? We are not the first group of people to feel alone, to suffer through difficulty. We've studied uh, the Israel a lot over the last couple of years, and, and we see in our studies that in their past there was a lot of brokenness in the world and um, specifically this time period where this passage is coming from Israel is in exile there's been a war um, and they are in exile they've been separated from their homes they're living in another country that are no longer in in um, uh, in their hometowns they're separated from families that they've lost uh, due to war and and then just the the act of separation when they're put into exile and during that time God speaks to the prophet Isaiah a word of hope and so I want to read that this morning we're going to study John chapter 1 verses 1 through 18 today but before I do that I want us to get some context behind why John is saying the things that he's saying why he's communicating it the way he is so look with me at Isaiah we're going to read uh, in chapter 9 verses 2 through 7 and as we read this I want you to keep in mind that Israel, like I said, is in exile. They've been separated from, from one another, from the place that God has given them, right? And we know that that's due to disobedience in their lives. But they are, they are lost, they are suffering. And the Lord speaks through the prophet Isaiah and he says this, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light, a light that has dawned on those living in the land of darkness. You have enlarged the nation and increased its joy. The people have rejoiced before you as they rejoice at harvest time and as they rejoice when dividing spoils. For you have shattered their oppressive yoke and the rod on their shoulders, the staff of their oppressor, just as you did on the day of Midian. 
For every trampling boot of battle and bloodied garments of war will be burned as fuel for fire. For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government shall be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. The dominion will be vast and its prosperity will never end. He will reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness from now on and forever. The zeal of the Lord of armies will accomplish this. So Isaiah, as he's saying these words, as he's repeating what God has spoken to him, he's not talking about their current context, right? They're in exile. He's not saying that a child is born today. He is giving them a message of hope that one day the Savior will come. This was a promise from God that he would send a Messiah and that he would be a light in the darkness of their lives. This is why we have songs like, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Those songs help us to understand what Israel is feeling, what they're going through. They are a cry from God's people for God's presence. And if we fast forward to today, the cry is the same. There is still darkness in our world. It has not changed much. And the world needs to see this great light that Isaiah is speaking of. This message of hope that Israel needed is the same message that our communities, that our families, that our friends need today. Israel waited for many generations, waiting and hoping for the day when the light would come. They were longing for Emmanuel. The people of our time also are longing for Emmanuel. They don't know it sometimes, but there is a part of them that longs for this God-shaped hole that is in their soul. You and I, for us personally, it is so important that we think about it, what it means that God is with us. Now, I didn't know Leah was going to share all the things that she shared this morning. I hope that she would. Right? But we need to personally think about what does this mean? I, I, I took some time yesterday to step away from my computer, to get out of the office, to go spend some time alone with the Lord and to think about what it means for me, what it meant for Israel that God is with us. I wanted to understand in some small way what it felt like for Israel to, to have this sense of urgency, to cry out to God and say, please come and save me. I don't think it's intentional, but I know that I and I think that all of us take for granted the fact that we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. Israel didn't have that. God's presence on earth was, was in the temple, in the Holy of Holies. And not living in our bodies like we read in John this morning. We were talking with our kids uh, a couple of nights ago. We, we have a tradition of um, years ago the church, a lot of ladies got together and made ornaments and they shared them with one another and there's a devotional. And so every night we sit around the Christmas tree and we read these little devotions and we put an ornament on a tree as a way of reminding our kids what Christmas is about. And so one of the things that we read that night was about the fact that Jesus came right? Which is a good thing to talk about at Christmas, obviously. And so as we're having this conversation amongst our kids, my oldest, Saley, uh, we were asking what, you know, what happened when Jesus came? And she said, the veil was torn. And so the other kids were like, what is, what is she talking about? What does that mean, dad? And so we talked about the fact that God at that time lived in the Holy of Holies and that if you went into the Holy of Holies without being ceremonial cleansed and not having the right um, uh, credentials, that you would die. And that when Jesus died on the cross, that that veil, Scripture says, it was torn. And it was to represent that God now lived among His people. 
that he was no longer confining himself to that space. It's a reminder that separation from God was, was that experience was now over. That now God was among his people. You know, for me, as I thought about what it means for me that God is with us, I thought about the quarantine that my family and I just did. Now, listen, I know it was only 10 days and that's not a big deal. But we missed Thanksgiving, which is significant, right? And so for me, I felt like I had just like the tiniest sliver. I know it doesn't compare at all to being in exile. Okay, let's just make that clear, okay? But it was difficult. We have traditions. We, we love our families. We like to be around them. But in that time, we also, of, of being in exile, we're worried about my in-laws and their health, obviously. And I know that there are so many people um, in our congregation that have been separated from their family for a lot of this year, who have lost loved ones this year. Some of you have expressed the feelings of isolation that you experienced this year. Look, in our membership, our church is not alone in those feelings, right? This is something that is talked about a lot in our, our culture because of COVID-19 and all the things that that brings. But there are families and communities around us that feel alone right now. They feel much like Israel did, that they are forgotten, that they are lost. And as we read our text today, I want to encourage you to tap into those feelings, okay? To think about how that feels for you to be separated from loved ones, to have lost loved ones. My hope is that we can allow the Holy Spirit to reveal the sense of need and urgency that Israel felt when they longed for God to be with them. You know, as we sang, O come, O come, Emmanuel, I hope that you sensed that longing that Israel was experiencing. You know, I love that, that haunting melody of the verses. And if you didn't notice it the first time around, we're going to sing it again today at the end. But for me, it is such a good reminder of the loneliness that Israel felt. But then there comes the chorus, right? Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. God is proclaiming to his people a promise of the coming of the Messiah. But let's remember that we, we have received hope and we have hope to share with those who need it in our context today. So we're going to read John chapter 1 today. We're going to go 1 through 18. And John begins this gospel by tying this promise of old to the birth of Jesus Christ. He is creating a bridge from the past, right? From these stories that have been passed down for generations about this promise of this coming Messiah. John uses a very particular language, very particular imagery that would have immediately grabbed the attention of all those who heard it. As we read today together, I want us to see that the hope that Israel received is the same hope that we possess as believers. And that we have the opportunity to share that as we celebrate the birth of our Savior. He is the reason for our hope. He is the reason for our joy. His birth, which brought light and life to a dark and broken world, is a cause for rejoicing. God is with us. We are no longer alone and separated from God because His Son, Jesus Christ, has come. So let's read John's message together today. We're going to read verses 1. We'll just do 14 for now, and we'll pick up the last verses at the end. It says, In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was God, or the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through Him, and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. 
The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He came into the very world he created, but the world did not recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become the children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. So the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. In this passage from Isaiah, we we think about these people that were scattered, that were alone, that were afraid, that were longing for what they once had. It's obvious that they need hope, that they needed saving. And God speaks through the prophet Isaiah to tell them that hope is on the way. And as I said, John begins this gospel with this particular language to immediately bring this idea back to the mind of all of those in Israel. John is reminding his readers of the promise that God made that he would come. John is proclaiming that the hope that they had longed for for generations has just arrived. That that promise of God has just been fulfilled. The light that Isaiah spoke of is here. I love the imagery of the Christmas story where the shepherds are out in a dark field at night. There was no light pollution then. You could see all the stars. And a blinding light appears and the angels present themselves. The light has arrived. John takes the time to show them that Jesus is not just another prophet. This is why he distinguishes himself from John the Baptist. Jesus cannot be compared to any man that's ever lived. The the title of this series is The Incomparable Christ. And the idea for us is to see that there is no other one like Christ. That he is the Son of God and that God sent him for us. So John is revealing to his readers who Jesus Christ is. And he tells them that Jesus is the Word. Now this is an interesting thing for me. I've often thought about what does it mean that Jesus is the Word? And we think about what we use words for. Word is the expression and the activity of God on earth. Think about that for a moment. It's the expression and the activity. God created all things by his word. He spoke things into being when he created everything. And God reveals himself through his word. Right? He expresses all that he is through his word. It was important, and it's important for us and for John's readers to understand this. This is the basis of Christian belief. John intends for his readers to read not just his work, but all of the Bible through this lens. That Jesus is the Word. Jesus has always existed with God and is God. Israel was accustomed to men speaking on God's behalf. That's the way it worked. There were priests whose job it was to be a moderator, a mediator between God and his people. And from the outset, John wants them to understand that this is not the case, that Jesus is not another prophet. Jesus is God in flesh, not another man speaking for God. When Jesus speaks, it is God that they are hearing, not the interpretation of a man. This is a message that the world needs to hear as well, our world right now. 
that Jesus is God and he comes to restore the relationship that he wants to have with his children. Jesus created all life in the beginning. He was not a bystander. He didn't watch as God did the work. John says very clearly that, that God did it through Jesus. He create, he, we were created to be in a relationship with God because he loves us. His intent for us was to live with him in perfection, in the garden. We've talked about that all last year. That God created us to be in a relationship with us because he loves us. But sin entered the world, but because of Jesus, we're now able to experience what that relationship was supposed to be. Not only was Jesus the word of life, but he also was the light that Isaiah prophesied about. The birth of Jesus brought light into the world, into a world of darkness. The world was dark because sin reigned over all the earth. We talked about last year about all the historical things that were going on at that time period right now with the Roman invasion, and it was, it was just not a good situation. But Jesus comes and he humbles himself and was born as a baby, and the light was born into the darkness. And I love that it says that the darkness had no ability to overcome the light. The darkness has no power. Sin has no power. We're going to see that, um, that Jesus is tempted by Satan in the desert as you read on in the Gospels. And we see very cl- clearly that sin has no power over Jesus. That he refutes it with the word. John makes the point that Jesus is God, not another prophet. Look with me at verse 6 through 9 again. He said, God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is the true light who gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Again, John making this clear distinction between Jesus and John the Baptist. He was saying for his readers, there's no place for confusion here. John the Baptist, another prophet, who's telling us of what's about to happen, what God is about to do, and then Jesus shows up. So John the baptizer is not, uh, and I'm going to call him John the Baptist or JTB or something, so you're not getting him confused with the author of the book, okay? But John the baptizer is not equal to God, but rather a witness of Jesus. John the Baptist's purpose was to introduce and prepare Israel for the coming Messiah. He was announcing that Jesus the long-awaited Savior, the promise that God had made, was about to make his interest. He's preparing God's people and saying, look, get ready. The promise is coming. John was to reveal the truth about who Jesus was. He was the Son of God. Does that job description sound familiar to anyone in here? We talk about regularly. It is our role as believers to share with people the truth about who Jesus is. During Christmas time, more than any other time, people are primed and willing to talk about Jesus because they're excited about Christmas, right? The whole world participates in the celebration, and we have the opportunity to bring light into the darkness by sharing the light, by telling people what Christmas is really about. God is working in the lives of those around us and will provide opportunities for us to share the hope and the joy that comes in realizing that God is with us. That we're no longer waiting for him. I think it's worth pointing out too what John says in, in verse 10 and 11. He says, he came into the world, the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people and even they rejected him. Listen, the, the people's rejection of Jesus wasn't due to a lack of ability on John the Baptist's part. 
It wasn't that John the Baptist didn't do a good job, that he didn't speak clearly, that he didn't wear the right clothes. He didn't wear the right clothes, but that's not the point. Right? The reason that people didn't, didn't, reject, or didn't accept Jesus is because they chose not to. And listen, we need to understand that there will be people in our lives that reject the gospel as we try to share that with them. And I, I bring this out. It's important for us to talk about this because what's going to happen when that happens, if the Holy Spirit prompts you and you share the gospel and the people reject it, our natural tendency and what Satan is going to get in our ear is say, you did something wrong, right? But our responsibility is not to make people believe. Our objective is simply to obey God in sharing what he's given us. And it's up to the Holy Spirit to do the work of salvation, right? And so for us, success is obeying, not in winning one. That's the Holy Spirit's job. As I've talked about this before, it may take years for someone to be ready to accept Jesus. And our job is to faithfully obey the Holy Spirit as we live life with them and never lose the hope that God can share them, share with them. That God wants them to have that breakthrough. I know I've had people in my life that I've spent years and years and years hoping that they would see the light. And in some of them's life that hasn't happened yet. In some it has. But we're never to lose hope because Jesus is life. In verse 12 through 13, he says, But all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become the children of God. They are reborn not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. Listen, church, all that we know and experience as a gathering place church is because of this. It's because we have believed and accepted this relationship begins right here with what John is telling us in these two verses. His grace shows us daily the immense love that God has for his people. The reason that we are the way that we are is because of what Jesus did, not because we're good people. We're able to experience that grace because Jesus lived a perfect life. And then he took the punishment that we deserved. And it's only by believing and accepting his offering of forgiveness and grace that we can really know him. That we could ever know Him. Life is found in a proper relationship with God. And that's the message of Christmas. Is that God has provided all that we need in order to have that perfect relationship with God. Listen, all of us have experienced life outside of a relationship with Jesus. I know that because we were all born at one point, And we've gotten to where we are today. And at some point in our lives, we realized our need for a Savior. And prior to that time, we lived in sin. And we lived in darkness and we didn't understand grace. We didn't understand the law. We didn't understand who Jesus was. We didn't understand who God was. But at some point, the Holy Spirit did a work in our lives to reveal to us the truth of who God is. To understand that Jesus did for us what we could not do for ourselves. And we were reborn by believing and accepting Jesus. And in doing that, we died to ourselves and became born again into that proper relationship with God. That's the whole purpose of Jesus coming to earth, is to restore the brokenness that was here, the brokenness that was brought by sin and disobedience. This is Christmas. It's about the hope and the life that are found in Jesus and that cannot be experienced in any other way. Listen, you can go out into the world and you can try to find other ways to, to bring joy into your life, but we all know by experience that those things are fleeting right? 
That we go out and we strive really hard for these things that we think we want and we're really excited about when we get it and then before you know it, it's not important anymore. If you don't believe me, think about a kid in Christmas and how excited they are for those toys and then a few months later, they can't find those toys, right? Because all of that is fleeting. It's not, it's not what is in us. It's not what we really desire. Jesus reveals his unfailing love of God to the world. We talked about this last week, that Jesus revealed the heart of God to the world when he came. His, his birth, his death, his life, all of it um, teach us that even though we live in a suffering world, true love is here. It has arrived. He is the light in the darkness. He steps in the darkness of our lives, accepts us just where we are. We don't have to fix ourselves. And he offers forgiveness, unconditional love, hope, and joy. And it's his work in our lives that makes us like him. That's who God is. He's a God that loves us and meets us right where we are. He doesn't love us because one day we will be perfect. He loves us because we're his children. He loves all men and women and children, and he desires that they know him. In verse 14, it says, So the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. Do you you see how amazing this is? That God did all the work. That for generations he promised that a Messiah would come. And then he was faithful to his word. And he sent his son. And he humbled himself. God himself took on the form of his creation. So that you and I could know him. So that we could understand. So that we could feel his love. We have seen his glory. Because we know the Son. When people around you um, are around you and they talk to you and they do life in your sphere of influence, something begins to happen. They begin to see the truth of who Jesus is. If we are in an abiding relationship where our focus day in and day out is pursuing the Lord and being obedient to what He calls us to do, moment by moment, things begin to happen and begin to change. I got a a text from Rachel this week. Rachel, if you would come on up. We're going to take a pause from me for just a second. Rachel wants to share with you guys. She didn't say she wanted to share. I asked if she would. But instead of me coming up with an illustration, I want Rachel to share with you what God was doing in her life. Ben, can she use red? Okay. Here, I'm going to step over to the side. You can come on up. You can take your mask off so I can hear you. Okay, I see a few people I don't, can y'all hear me on this? Okay, uh, a few people I don't recognize, but those of you who don't know me, my name is Rachel. Um, I work at the Children's Advocacy Network in Alexandria as a child trafficking coordinator. I don't traffic kids. My title sounds like I traffic kids, but I work with victims who have been trafficked. Um, and I've been working there since July of this year. And um, this Friday I had a counter with my boss. It was a very small, awkward encounter, but uh, I'm going to share with you kind of what the Lord had been doing Um, prior to that, what kind of led and how he was working in that little moment right there before. Um, But before I share that, I wasn't sure if I was going to share this part, but um, the Lord kind of confirmed that just now. But um, I also have two friends of mine who I'm very close with. We're best friends. And one of my friends, uh, Grace, she's kind of been... 
she's very lost right now. She's very uncertain about she's about what her purpose is on this earth and she's losing faith in who Christ is and just doesn't feel like she believes anymore. And my other friend Tori, um, you know, we are heartbroken for her, but how we, me and Tori both, um, we felt differently in how we should approach grace. Tori wanted to, um, uh, sit down with grace and say, this is everything you're doing wrong. And this is what you should do. This is what you should do. And then you will believe. And the Lord very clearly told me that we should not do that. We need to, and I felt very uncomfortable when she shared that with me. Um, but the Lord shared with me that we need to show her grace and love and just love her and through us loving her and, um, like abiding in Christ, like he will work through us in that way. And so I shared that with Tori and Tori didn't really agree. And she didn't really, um, she didn't think it was a good idea, but I was like, that's what I'm going to do, and we'll see where the Lord works. Um, so that part, well, you'll see some stuff in the end. But anyway, so when I first uh, applied for this job at the Children's Advocacy Network, um, the Lord told me that I would get hired um, through, at the beginning, e class. E we were talking about that and will uh through will the lord kind of confirmed that i would get hired there and i totally thought it was um because we were talking about brokenness in the world and i thought the lord was going to use me you know to help all these kids and um through my because you know being good with kids i thought this was what the lord called me to do and that was where all his activity all his activity was going to be um which the lord does work through that and the children i work with but um he had a lot more plans that i did not and was not aware of at the time and so i had my interview for the job and um in the interview uh it went very badly i cried about it for days they tore me up they were very mean um and like i get it it's a very hard job so they want somebody tough and so Everything I said, they just tore me up and was like, mm, that's cliche or that's, why do you believe that and stuff like that. And um, so I was very humiliated and very nervous. And uh, before the end of the interview, my now boss, the executive producer, I mean, executive uh director, man, whatever, I can't get my words. Um, Okay, anyways, he asked me, he said, you seem like a very bubbly person. Have you ever even experienced trauma before? And I was very offended by that question. Um, and there's a whole bunch of people in the meeting and he was like, don't explain your trauma. You don't have to explain your trauma, but explain that. And so at first second, I was very offended because I was like, you don't know me. And, uh, but in that moment, my answer came very easily. Um, I was just like, it's only because of Christ. I was like, I've experienced a lot of suffering and heartache and trauma, but um, through my relationship with the Lord, he's been glorified through that and he's been sovereign and that's where all my joy comes from. And he basically tore that down and was like, that's stupid. And so again, I was humiliated. And after the interview, I cried for days. Anytime anybody asked about it, I was like, I definitely did not get that job. And I was very confused because I was like, the Lord told me I got that job, but they just made a fool out of me, and I feel very stupid, and I don't feel equipped for this job, and I'm definitely not getting hired. But of course I did get hired, and when they called and told me I got the job, I was kind of like, are y'all sure y'all want me? Because it didn't seem that way, but um, I got the job, and I started working there, and the Lord kind of... Um, uh, just like started to press on my heart that I needed to love everybody well and just like love them. And I didn't know what that was supposed to look like or what I was supposed to do. Um, but, uh, you know, I never felt like, you know, I need to share the gospel with them. I just like loved them. Um, I don't know how to explain how I loved them. I just loved them and stuff. But so 
months went by and like I still felt the Lord telling me to just love the people I work with and I'm constantly asking well what do you want me to do what does that look like and my boss came in my office um my boss he is a very like you know, I try to like get to know him. He does wants nothing to really to do with me. I have to like corner him to be like, hey, how are you doing today? Um, and he doesn't go out of his way to get to know me. I don't have much interactions with him unless if like I need to. Um, and um, didn't feel like he paid much attention to me or anything. He's very cold, um, a little scary. Um, but he came in my office on Friday and I was working and then he just stood there. And he had his coffee in his hand, he was just standing there, it was very awkward. And I didn't know what to say, so I was like, well, hey, good morning. And he was like, Rachel, where are you from? And I was like, well, I'm from here. And then he was like, okay, cool, cool, cool. And then he just stood there in silence again, and I'm like on my computer typing, I'm like, I don't know what to say. And then he was, uh, he said, did you go to LSU? And I was like, no, I went to LC here in Pineville. And then stood in silence again, uh, and then he asked where my parents were from, and I told him Michigan and uh, here in Pineville. And um, he just stood there for a little bit, and then he said, well, you're very different. Um, he said, it's kind of odd. He was like, it's a very good thing, but he was like, you see the world very differently, and you don't see that around here. Um, and um, I just kind of sat there, because, you know, and I, don't, I didn't ask him, you know, I just said, oh, it must be my mom's Yankee side of me. And then um, he said, cool, and then walked away. But in that moment, I felt so much joy and just like felt the Lord's presence. It wasn't like a big encounter. It wasn't like I didn't, you know, as soon as he said that, um, I'm odd and I see the world differently. I had no clue what he meant by that exactly. And I didn't ask. Um, and... Um, like, I didn't say, well, this is exactly why I'm this way, or, you know, the Lord is this, this, this. It was just a small, awkward encounter, but I'm very satisfied and confident that is exactly how the Lord wanted that conversation to go, and it didn't have to be a big thing. Um, but in that moment, I kind of just, like, the Lord kind of just revealed to me what he had been doing over the months, um, and just me working there, just slowly been working, and as I abide in him, just small things I didn't even know, I still don't know what my boss really meant, but, like, the Lord is definitely working, and he has big plans there, um, and it was very comforting knowing that, um, like, because I kept thinking, I was like, well, what exactly do I have to do? I have to do this a certain way, but just, like, as I just, like, was abiding in Christ, like, he's working through me, and I didn't have to do anything major, and um, I think it's cool as well, because, like, like all my everybody like I'm extremely broken I'm not perfect and at work and with my friends I feel like I don't have to like um I have to act perfect or act a certain way like they see my brokenness and they know I'm broken they know my sin they know um that I'm a hot mess but they can still see the Lord working through me as like I abide through them I mean not through them through Christ but um it was pretty cool back to my, my two friends, I was able to share that with them uh, because like I said, they know they know I'm not perfect. They know my sin. We spend every moment together. They know I'm not perfect. They know I'm not always consistent in my um, like pursuing the Lord or that doesn't look like a perfect way and stuff. But I was able to share with them like what um, God, had been, God had been doing with my boss and at work. And I've been sharing with them too, like anytime the Lord had called me to work here and this and stuff. And I was able to share that with them and they were able to see how the Lord had been working working um, through that and what um, as well and so it was just really cool and um, it's very small things I have no clue where the Lord is going to lead or what's going to happen next but it's very encouraging and um, you know uh, kind of like what you said like 
trying to figure out how to get my words. I'm not good with my words. But um, just like as the more like I see God's activity as I abide in him, the things of like the world that like I desire like become less. I still desire things of the world, but like those things become less and I desire them less and I start to pursue the Lord more and see more of his activity and those things, that fruit becomes a lot larger than my desires of the world. I still constantly struggle with sin and... Um, and things of the world, but just those things become smaller as I like abide in Christ. And sometimes I feel like I have to, I have to do all these things first before, um, you know, the Lord can work in me and stuff. And I'm literally at work picking my nose and my boss comes in and uh, the Lord is able to uh, work through that and stuff. So, but yeah, that's it. Thank you, Rachel. I did not think you were a hot mess until you told me you were picking your nose at work. <laughs> now I know. Church, we talk about this often. And thank, Rachel, I'm so thankful for you sharing your story today. That it's not about creating these elaborate plans to share the gospel with people. Will there be times for that? Certainly. But it's about us loving God and just loving the people that are around us. And we begin to see hearts changed. As I'm thinking about the scriptures, I'm thinking about the, all the things that we talked about with Israel and being in exile, I'm thinking about myself, I'm thinking about our church, I'm thinking about Christmas. This is what it's about. This is why Christ came. It's so that Rachel can get a job that the people that she's working for think she's not qualified for, but she gets it anyway. And she's just being herself, nose picking and all. And people are seeing Jesus. He doesn't know that yet, most likely. But he will. What he has identified is there is something different about Rachel that he has not experienced before in central Louisiana, and that is significant. I've known Rachel a long time, and I can tell you she is an incredible woman of God. And he's beginning to see that in her. That's the message of Christmas. It's that, that Christ has come, that he is with us, he lives inside of us, and we reveal that to people by just being God's and that being enough, that we're not trying to, to check all the boxes and be all the right things, that Rachel can just be Rachel and be God's and that's enough and God will use that. The last scripture I want to, I want to end with today is, is um, 15 through 18. It says, John testified about him when he shouted to the crowds, this is the one I was talking about when I said someone is coming after me who is far greater than I am for he existed long before me. Listen, this is the response that everyone had when they met Jesus. You go back and you read through the New Testament and you look at the encounters that people had with Jesus and he would speak life into them and they would run back to their friends and their family and be like let me tell you about this this man Jesus the woman at the well comes to mind who says he he's told me everything I've ever done and he loves me this is the message of Christmas in verse 16 through 18 he says from his abundance we have all received one gracious blessing after another for the law was given through Moses, but God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the unique one who is God himself is near to the Father's heart. He has revealed God to us. 
Church, we know this unique one that he's talking about. As believers, his spirit lives inside of us. And as we move through the Christmas season, as we have, well, we're not going to have parties at work. That's probably not going to happen now. But as we are living life around people, if we're abiding in him, if our focus is on understanding what it means that God is with us, if we are contemplating the things that the Lord is speaking to us on a daily basis and obeying the things that he says, he is going to be revealed to the world around us. People are going to begin to see the truth about who Jesus is because of you. Brokenness, nose picking, and all. Sorry, you said it. I got to just, I got to hang in there. Christmas is an incredible time of year. It is a celebration of God finalizing the work of the new covenant. Have you thought about that before? We talk about the new covenant when, we, when we're at Easter time. That the old covenant, under it, we had to follow the, all the rules and the regulations. That God gave the law not so that we could become perfect because we can't. He gave us the law to show us that we're not perfect. And as a people, we had to live under that law for generation after generation after generation. But then Christ comes. And His birth is the beginning of His people understanding what grace and love look like. That's what we're celebrating. We're celebrating that we no longer live under the slavery of sin and death that is brought by the law. That we live under the new covenant, a covenant of grace, that God loves us right where we are. And that Christ's blood, His sacrifice is what makes us right before God, not us trying to obey the law. My hope and the goal of Christ is that all people would come to know the Father in the way that He intended. Church, you know the Father. You know how to hear His voice. Our call as a people, as a church, is to help others to see the truth about who Christ is. And what a great time to do that right here at Christmas. This is Christmas. To share with the world that Christ loves them. Let's pray together. Father, I'm so incredibly thankful for, for you just helping me personally to understand what it means that you are here with me. God, even though I'm, I've been a believer a long time and I pastor a church, you would think that that would be something that is already in me, Father, but there is always something new to learn. A new area of my heart that needs to, to understand the truth of, of, of your love and your grace for me. God, that's not true just for me, but for, for every person alive. Father, teach all of us Reach deep within us and, and reveal to us the areas of our lives where, where we need your grace at. Father, as we walk among a people who are longing to know you, who are crying out for you, even if they don't know it, God, help us to show people who you are by the way we live our lives, by the words that we speak, not because we have a great plan, but simply because we know you and we are yours. Father, help us to abide in you, to know you, and to make you known. Amen. Go ahead.